Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them, would you, to Daniel chapter 12 in a Bible study that I've entitled, In the End, This Will Make Sense. In the End, This Will Make Sense. So we've been studying Daniel chapter 12 and we've come to the end. We've come to the end, the last chapter, and he, as he's writing it, remember he doesn't fully understand what's happening. He doesn't fully understand what was given to him in the entirety of the book. These dreams and coming kingdoms. We're able now to look back because I believe we live in a time where Daniel's making sense. We're living in the time of the end. The end of the world is upon us. It's right around the corner. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ could happen at any moment, at the twinkling of an eye. We're seeing things fulfilled in our time period that we, no other generation has seen. And of course, when I share that with great confidence and I share that with great enthusiasm, there are always those who go, wait a minute, you're not one of those pastors, are you? You don't really believe that stuff. You're just trying to scare us, trying to move us with fear. No, for the Christian, there's nothing to be scared of. The end of the world or the end of our life, there's nothing to be scared of. Our last breath here is our first breath in eternity. The fulfillment of the promise of the presence of Jesus Christ is ours instantaneously. We will see the Lord. He's coming again. We want it to happen. He has gone and been building that special dwelling place for us. And he said, if I go, I'll come again. You'll be with me forever. I'm not trying to scare you. But rather as a pastor, as a man that has been given the charge to represent God, I want to tell you the truth. I want to give you the biblical perspective of God's view of these days. And when the return of Jesus Christ occurs, our hopes will become reality. Our faith will become sight. And God, as he shares prophecy, prophecy is not God's scare tactics. That's not a motivating factor that God, God motivates, the greatest motivation on the earth is love. And God motivates us by love. He is love. And so when you read of prophecy, it's not scare tactics. It's not designed to, to somehow control you. It's rather your God, Abba Father, as we read in Romans chapter 8. It's your Abba wanting to warn you and plead with you to understand his love. I don't believe there's a parent among us that hasn't had a serious conversation with their children that included both warning and pleading. And you know, as our kids grow up and they navigate through this world, the warnings and the pleadings in, in, increase. Because there just comes an age where a child says, you know what, I, I know I'm only 15, but I know more than you. And I've experienced more than you. And I hear your warnings and I hear your pleadings, but I'm gonna go see for myself. And you know as well as I do, as you watch that child walk out with that confident, prideful attitude that they're going to go do it, they know what you said, they appreciate what you said, but you don't understand, mom, you don't get it, dad, it's not like that anymore, that it's different now. Yeah, because it's so different now, that's why we warn and plead. It's not better now, it's worse than we were growing up. 
And because of some of us having made those decisions ourselves, to parents that warned and pleaded us as well, we now as parents say, no, please believe me. That is not the way you want to go. That's a painful route. Don't, don't, don't go that way. Don't hang out with that person. She's not good for you. They, that, that man, he, that boy, he doesn't love the Lord. He will take you down a path. No, don't do it. Don't listen to them. Evil company corrupts good habits. Every parent, they might sound strong. It might even have these, you know, contortions of the face. But why would they do that? Why would they warn their kids? I'll tell you why. Because they love them. The greater the love, that seems the greater the warning and the greater the pleading. Well, even in our imperfections, we become a picture of our perfect Father in heaven. And when he tells you the future, it isn't to scare you or freak you out. Although if you're an unbeliever, there is a sense of, you know, you don't have a relationship with God, you're going to have all kinds of weird responses to the end of the, of, of the age. You're, we'll, we'll warn you about, hey, look, what's going on in the globe today, what's going on in the economy today, that the Bible says that everything has to kind of come down to a funnel where there's going to be a one world currency. And, you know, you get all kinds of responses. Oh, you're, you don't believe in that stuff. What do you mean? I don't believe in that stuff. Open your eyes. It's right before you. Oh, you know, the Bible says that in the end, that's all going to funnel down and the world is going to have one predominant ruling religion of everyone. One world religion. Ah, you don't believe in that. Hey, kind of look, look at how the world minimizing the absolutes of the one true God and replacing. It's been a slow process for a long time. You find a one world ruler there's going to be a time in the end where the world will look to one man. We don't know his name, but we know him in the Bible as Mr. Antichrist, capital A. And you get the response, oh, come on, that's not true. And yet, in this current crisis, as we've seen with our own eyes and heard with our own ears, people calling out for help. And they say, oh, just maybe the solution today the solution for this crisis is that why don't we just give all of our sovereignty and all and just we'll, we'll just we need a man we need a man we need a man now god is warning and pleading because he wants you to know ahead of time what's happening so you get your life right with him and we don't know everything that's going to happen we don't know every nuance of the last days but as we've studied in our previous times we can understand the times we can understand what we see and reflect it through the truth of scriptures. Even though we don't know everything, we know some things. And with what we know, it should stir us to love and obedience. So pick up with me in verse 1. We'll review of where we were in 12 last time and get through the end of the chapter today. It says, at the time, Michael the archangel who stands guard over your nation will arise and there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those bodies lie dead and buried and will rise up, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Verse 3. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Prior to the coming of the Lord, there'll be an increased time of wickedness, a time of anguish, he says here, greater than any since nations came into existence. And we believe, 
We believe that this applies to the last seven years of world history. The time that we know as the Great Tribulation period. We're not in that time yet. Although some people believe we are. We're not. We're not in that time yet. But we're seeing glimpses of it. And we've just spent many weeks looking at various passages throughout the Bible of what the end times is described as. What we can look for. What we can see. And if you didn't know we were studying the Bible, if you're flipping through the radio and you just come across those studies, it might sound like we were going through the articles on the Drudge Report, line by line, of the things that are happening in our world today. But what we're seeing today will be nothing compared to the final days. There'll be nothing compared to the behaviors that will run rampant on the earth, which will include the judgment of God. And part of God's judgment always includes, okay, if you, if you want to reject me, it's like God saying, it, part of God's judgment is if you want to reject me and you want to resist me and you want to continue to go that way, then I will give you over to those desires. If that's what you want, then I'll release you and I'll give you over to your own carnal desires. But verse three is encouraging because those who are wise will shine bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Those that are walking in the wisdom of God, those that are responding with God's wisdom and not just our own personal understanding and our own personal private interpretations of everything. No, those that are walking in wisdom are going to shine. And part of the wisdom that's being spoken here in context is part of walking in wisdom is you will have a passion for the lost. Like, you will really care about your neighbor going to hell. You will really care about the person that mocks you and makes fun of you because you believe the Bible. And because you care, notice, you will shine like the stars because you're going to lead people to righteousness. You're going to tell them the truth. It's going to be a part of your life. You're not going to have to work it up. You don't have to ask for the gift of evangelism. You don't have to go to evangelism class. You'll just tell people the condition of their lives. You'll tell people, like, like you, 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 without any kind of training, just tell them what God did in your life, where you were. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, and some of you have that whoever, some of you have a fascinating story of where you were and what you did, the hopelessness of your life and the pain and the sorrow. Some of, you, some of, the, some of the stories behind whoever are the greatest platform to describe the belief and the born-again change in your life. Remember, if you're thinking about how to share your testimony, think of it, think of it take a piece of paper out tonight, you know, the size of an of a eight and a half by 11, and just, just do three equal boxes on, on that sheet. If you don't know how to share your testimony, just put, take a piece of paper out, put three boxes on the top box, write who you were, on this middle box, you write how God apprehended your heart. And on the bottom box, you begin to share what God's doing in your life right now, the changes. And that becomes a bridge because people love to hear stories. They love to hear real life stories, they, especially those that, that may think you, you know, met you many years later. And we're not, testimonies don't glory in our past. They don't, you know, we don't make the story about us. We make the story about God, but God works through our story. And so it's not like you go, oh, you know how bad I was. Like when you do the boxes, make sure the first box is smaller than the rest. 
You don't want to just point out, oh, I was so bad, I was so bad, I was so bad. And they're like, get to it, man. Like, I don't, you, I'm convinced you were bad. And oh yeah, and then I went to church and now I'm saved. Let's go get lunch. No, 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 no. No, it's like, hey, give them enough that goes, hey, you? No way. You? No way. And in those of you that were raised in the church, raised in a godly home, that box is different. That box, the testimony of your life is not all the junk you were into. Listen, the box in your life is all the junk you avoided. That's even sometimes a greater testimony. But sometimes it's mixed and maybe you had a backslidden time. Whatever it is, people are captivated by a good story. That's why you have a favorite movie. Why do you have a favorite movie? You like the story. They put it together where it captivated you. Well, whatever your favorite movie is, the testimony of God's work in your life is better than any movie that's ever made. And it's personal and direct. So walking in wisdom, sharing the gospel, leading people into right living. We'll get into that next time. But after the rapture of the church, there's going to be a great wave of evangelism on the earth. 144,000 men from the 12 tribes of Israel are going to be unleashed and sent out to preach the gospel. Angels are going to be flying through the heavens proclaiming the gospel. There are going to be two witnesses that the whole world will see that God will be using to share in a dark time with the light of God's love. And countless men and women will be saved during the great tribulation period. And they'll begin sharing. It's going to be an amazing time. But we don't need to wait for that time. We're alive now. And God wants to use us. Notice verse 4 now. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until, mark those words. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. So now the Bible gives us a little bit of insight of what the end times, as you get closer and closer to the coming, to the rapture of the church, to the return of Jesus Christ, this is something to look for. Daniel, you're writing this right now, thousands of years ago. So just shut it up, seal it up. Because it's going to make sense. It may not make sense to people now, but at, at the end, it's going to make sense to people living at the end, at the time right before the coming of the Lord. That's what he's saying. So just seal it up. It's almost like God saying, you seal it up, Daniel. Write it down. Seal up what I tell you. I'll unseal it when it's time. And Dan, the book of Daniel will be understood in the right time. And Daniel, what you're receiving, be faithful. Seal it up. And he says at the end, he says, seal it up. Keep it a secret. And, and the time of the end when, here's a couple of things. Many will rush here and there. And that's, to me, it's just a basic phrase of, People are just going to be overwhelmed with everything they have to do. They're going to be going in here and there looking for answers. What's happening in our lives? Happening over here. Busy, full, all the words of a culture that we're in right now. And then the key is knowledge will increase. I like that phrase because it can be taken at least two ways. You, know, you guys that are taking notes, this can be taken at least two ways and both ways apply to the day in which you live. Number one, this knowledge increasing could refer to the knowledge of prophecy. That, it, that when Daniel makes sense, there will be a knowledge of prophecy that will increase closer to the rapture of the church. That is, things on the prophetic picture will become clearer and clearer and clearer, closer to the coming of the Lord. That, that makes sense. 
That's the idea of you're looking way in the distance and you see a little dot. And as you're driving toward that dot, as you get closer to it, it starts to reveal what exactly it is. And you're trying to guess it, what is this, what is this? And when you, you find out it's just a, a sign in the middle of the road. And you, somebody thought it was a bear, and somebody thought it was a rock, somebody thought it was a comet. But as you got closer to it, things became clearer. We certainly find ourselves living in a time where more and more of God's prophetic word is clearer than ever before. Especially since 1948, when Israel became a nation, and Jews began returning to their homeland, there seems to be more and more revealed. We live in a day when technologies, they're not talking about technologies. I remember when I was a new believer and they were looking at just 29 years ago, new believer, excited about prophecy. And I remember back then magazines were very popular and I remember getting a magazine, I forget the title of it, but on the front cover, the reason I bought it is on the front cover was a head with a barcode on it. And what was, the, what, what was the emphasis on it? Look, tech, they're beginning technology. They're developing technology that, that instead of doing at a cash register, oh, this is 335, 335, and putting it all in, they take this barcode that has information built into it, that has identifying information, stuff that we don't even know what's in it. And when they scan it over, it has all this information contained in this little barcode with these little computers 29 years ago. Hey man, they are implanting people with microchips right now, right before our eyes. And there's some suggestion that they are looking for new ways to implant microchips to follow. I remember along the way as we were looking, we go, well, and back then when we were going, oh, that's silly, oh, they won't. And of course it looked funny. The dude had a big barcode on his forehead and it looked funny, like who's gonna take that? Everybody's gonna, but remember, the mark of the beast is not so much a technological breakthrough. The mark of the beast and taking it is a spiritual decision. The people that take, nobody's gonna give you the mark of the beast by accident, biblically. You're not just gonna wake up, oh, I got the mark of the beast, I'm not, oh, what happened? I only wanted a tattoo and they slipped a little thing in there. No, 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 it's not gonna be. It is going to be a decision where the Antichrist declares and his government declares that you won't buy or sell. You will not be able to live without taking the mark. You will bow down and worship me so I can feed you and take care of you and take the place of God. Remember we learned Antichrist can mean against and in place of. So the Antichrist says, you want to live? You can follow me. I'll give you the chip. You can eat. You can live. You can enjoy this time. You can be a part of the one world religion. And you're just like, you know, 29 years ago was a barcode on a forehead and people were laughing, oh, you don't believe that. I do believe in it and it's gonna get worse. I don't know what the mark of the beast is, but I can see, I can understand the times. Like 30 years before that, there was no such thing as, there was the old school, uh, you know, back in the 50s, 60s, 30s, whenever they had the old school cash register, cha-ching, cha-ching, you know, they had the abacus, man. For years, they didn't even have a calculator. And now what do you see? You see things that, man, in an instant, things can change in an instant. Why? Because the knowledge of prophecy is increasing. The understanding of the prophetic picture is starting to get clear. And yeah, you know, the clearer things get, and the more you start to say, check this out, watch this out, there's going to be a rise of mockers. There's going to be a rise of false prophets. There's going to be a rise of unbelief. There's going to be a rise of falling away. 
yeah, great apostasies are happening. They've already begun in the church. Whole denominations have disappeared or completely abandoned the foundation on which they started. Yeah, you can go, listen, I, 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 you may have experienced this. I don't know. I, I know. I've seen it. I've got friends. You could go to church today and never hear the Bible taught. You could go into a church today. Come to a, you can go into a place they call a church and it's a cult and they're going to lie to you. There are, like, there are, when you look at some of the greatest denominations today, they, they are, they have abandoned the Word of God. They should take the name church off of their wall and say, just come into this building. We don't really believe anything, but we'll hug you when you come in. Yeah, but what about the Bible? Nah, you know, the Bible used to mean that, doesn't mean that anymore. Yeah, but what about your founder? He gave his life. Well, the, the man that God used, he gave his life for what, what was built upon in the whole movie. You know, churches, huge churches filled with thousands of people. They're being turned into clubs and bars. You drive down Denver, you see some of these really nice houses because they take a nice church on the corner and convert it into a house. You have all throughout Europe the mosque has outnumbered the churches and the church gathering and establishing themselves. Things are definitely getting clearer and clearer to us prophetically. Secondly, this phrase can mean not just a clearer understanding of the prophetic, but secondly, knowledge in general will increase in the end times. And we already know, don't we? We live in the information age. And this will as you are living now in the advent of the computers and the microchip changed everything forever. The internet, so much information available at our fingertips. You no longer have to go down to the library and flip through the card catalogs. There are some people listening to me right now that have no idea what a card catalog is. Things have changed so fast. You can test it when you get home. Don't do it while I'm teaching, but test it when you get home. Put a search into Google, and sh they'll show you not only all the information, all the articles that come up, but it'll show you how fast it indexed all that information for you. Knowledge is rapidly increasing. We don't have, our parents aren't taking out loans to buy encyclopedias for us. Where my, I remember my parents had to take out a loan. This guy walking through the neighborhood and sold a set of encyclopedias. Uh, for those of you who go, what's an encyclopedia? Look it up. Just go ahead. Go to Google, what's an encyclopedia? And it'll tell you exactly what it is. But it was the Google of our day. One of the first jobs that I got when I graduated high school is I was a 411 operator for a telephone company. And again, what's that? I'll tell you what it is. I sat in a room and I had a headset on and day after day, moment after moment, just the, they kept sending me, I would have, I would, it would ring in my ear, ding, 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 and I'd say my number and say, what city, please? They would give me the city. I'd say, what, what are you looking for? I'd look it up and I'd tell them the phone number. That's how you used to know phone numbers, young people. And then little by little, they upgraded the computer system and computer system before they eliminated that job. Obviously, it's not needed anymore. 
information just increases and increases and increases, so much so that the, the information that's increasing and being collected is being stolen. Right before I came up to the pulpit, there was another data breach, information being sold on the dark web. Information's increasing. In the realm of science and health, doctors and scientists are progressing more rapidly today into the realms that weren't possible even 10 years ago and five years ago. Building upon building. Some of it is very good in the area of disease and cures, even as we wait for some to provide an antidote or a, a vaccine or some kind of help against the current virus. But others are not so good, like cloning, embryonic stem cell research, how to improve having abortions and infanticide, cryogenics. The process for abortion now is in pill form. Can happen instantly. Euthanasia and the medications to help assisted suicides. And some of this progression is not progression at all. It's the same old idolatry and disobedience. But what we're seeing increasing in these times is absolutely happening right before us. Verse 5 now. Notice, he says, Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen, who is now standing above the river, How long will it be till these shocking events are over? Verse 7. The man dressed in linen who was standing above the river raised both his hands toward heaven, took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, It will go on for a time, times and half a time. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. And I heard what he said, but I didn't understand what he meant. So I asked, How will all this finally end, my Lord? And he said, Go now, Daniel. For what, have I, what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified and cleansed and refined by these trials. Would you just mark that? It's a side note. It's a side note of an application. And you wonder why in this current time you're facing what you're facing. You wonder why you have such dysfunction in your family or such pain. You wonder why the finances don't seem to catch up with the bills and you wonder why there's rebellion and there's difficulty and you wonder why the, the, the government is making this decision and this restriction and this furlough and this layoff and this difficulty and it just seems so much pressure. While we don't know the exact reason why, we do know this, many will be purified. God is wanting to purify our faith. Many will be cleansed and many will be refined by these trials. That's just an application. It's also in the end times. It's also with this time of the end and the great tribulation period and the antichrist. You go, this is not right. I don't understand it. But listen, the work of trials among many things is to purify you, to cleanse you, and to refine you. And you think about it. During times of great difficulty, we cry out to the Lord. We become desperate. We become, we become just, we're, we come to that knowledge of our inability and our, our, our lack of ability and our lack of wisdom and, and why. And we cry out and we like, you can begin to pray, God, where are you purifying in my life? I want to know. What are you wanting to cleanse out of my life? God, I want to know. What, what is it that you want to refine me? And, you know, the refinement process with, with metals is to make it more pure, to take away the impurities. And God will use trials to take away the impurities unless, listen, this is, this is very important, unless the impurities in your life are your idol. And if the impurities in your life are your idol, you're going to prolong the trial. 
because you won't let go. You like your idol. Maybe idolatry for you is money, career, and success. And God wants to purify that from you. He wants to use you to help and to serve, but you hold on. You're not letting go. Prolong your trial. Perhaps it's some sinful issues in your life, maybe immorality, and God's wanting to allow, he's allowed something, and he's like, I just want to cleanse you of that. I want to cleanse your mind. I want to cleanse your past. I want to cleanse your future. So I've allowed trial. I've allowed it to be exposed. I've allowed you to, to hurt. I've allowed you to cry. I've allowed you, yeah, and you're like, well, unless, unless, you know, pornography, unless sexual sin, unless that stuff is your idol, and then you won't let go, and you're going to prolong your trial. It's going to get worse, not better. And God is wanting to purify you and refine you. He's wanting to bring about a change in you. He wants to bring purity. And it goes along with a heart for the return of the Lord. Because the, the return of the Lord, the rapture of the church is the blessed hope of the church. It is a blessed hope. And in that blessed hope, it brings a purity. Just the hope of the return of Christ brings a purity. Unless... You don't really care if the return of the Lord comes back. Now you're going to increase your trial. And then when you increase your trial, you get mad at God. And when you get mad at God, your pride is inflamed. And when you're the master and you create the idols, then, you know, your idols are just images of you. They just are controlled by you. And when you dismiss and take the place, when I take the place of God, then I become prideful. So even someone going, hey, bro, I think, uh, I think God's doing a work in your life. You know, what's going on? Oh, nothing's wrong with me. Yeah, but like, it really looks like, like you are miserable and you're it really, look, and, and just a friend that comes to me, just someone that's close to you that you trust in your life that come and go, hey, I think such and such. He's like, oh, no, no, no along your trial because God values humility, brokenness, surrender, and repentance. So just look. These are, this is just some of the work. Many are going to be purified, cleansed, and refined by trials. But the wicked, it says, verse 10, will continue in their wickedness. And none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. Only those that are wise. And he already said up in verse 3, those who are wise will shine bright like the sky. Well, those that are wise will know what it means. And this is a very specific time period Daniel is writing with a very specific people. In the end times, the center of attraction is Israel, Jerusalem. That's the epicenter. The United States of America is not the epicenter. Russia is not the epicenter. Iran and Iraq, they are not the epicenter of end time events. Pay attention to what's happening in Israel. Subscribe on Twitter to Israel newspapers. Get in your feed information that's flowing from Israel. Pay attention to what's happening in Israel. That small area of land where our Messiah walked and where our Messiah will return is the most important piece of real estate in the world. Save, save, save. So when the doors open up to go back to Israel, come with us. See it with your own eyes. You think the Bible is not real? I will take you to places where you will open up the Bible and you will look at your feet and you go, I'm here. I'm standing right where it was. Even in my mind today, I was thinking of Qumran at the cave that they found. I could picture it in my mind where, they, where the, the shepherd boy found the scrolls and then coming back down for the tour where the whole group of Essenes were living. 
you want to be, you know, I know not everybody can go to Israel. You'll end up in Israel one way or the other, okay? Don't worry about it. But if you can go now, it's worth it. You're investing in yourself. You're investing in your faith. Oh, I know you don't need to see things to have faith. I know. But every once in a while, God lets you see things that build your faith. (laughs) He lets you experience things that build your faith. And when the doors open up for Israel again, I don't know if we're going to go in 21 or 21 or 22. I'm not sure. Uh, But we have, we're planning right now. We're getting all the information. We'll have a meeting to see. And then we'll get a group together and hopefully the Lord will take us. You'll be there. The epicenter of, the, of the God's prophetic time clock is Israel. And you know, things haven't looked good for Israel since the time of Babylon. The Jewish people, the followers of God, have suffered consequence after consequence after consequence. And in 586 BC, when the Babylonians came in and destroyed Jerusalem and took many captive, the Jews have been crying out for that land for a long time. And then 1948, hope came to the Jews once again as David Ben-Gurion announced that a nation called Israel had been born, or you could say reborn. And just the very existence of Israel fulfills so many prophecies. Ezekiel, all throughout Ezekiel, the vision of the dry bones. Can those dry bones live again, Ezekiel? Yes, they can. They're there right now. And Jews are continuing to return to the land of Israel By the thousands, God is calling them home in these last days. It hasn't stopped. And the end times requires Israel to occupy that land. And there they are. You'll see it with your own eyes. And just before the end of the world, the Bible in several places says that Israel will be hassled and dragged into a war zone. And as you come to verse 11, it says, from that time of the daily sacrifice is stopped, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshiped. There'll be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. Now, this seems to add another 30 days into the prophetic picture, but it gives us more insight into the end times. What might happen into these 30 days? Could it be the judgment of Israel? Could it be the purging of rebels that take another 30 days? Could it be where God is separating the goat and the, from the sheep and how nations treated? Uh, it just seemed that was like some extra days there for what God wants to accomplish. And he says in verse 13, for you, go your way until the end. You will rest. And that at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. And the end is revealed so that there will be a blessing. Blessings for those in the midst, those who persevere, blessings for Daniel, blessings for those that read this, who God's revealed it to, those in the last days, blessings to us as we get to see God's prophetic plan. I believe what the Bible says, that to whom much is given, much is required. And with all that we know now, there's no excuse for us to be lazy and apathetic with our faith. There's no excuse. Not only do we have the scriptures, not only are we born again, not only are we indwelt by the Holy Spirit, not only have we been baptized by the Holy Spirit, but but we have insight on the prophetic end and we're just sitting on our hands, twiddling our thumbs, playing with the games of this world while our life passes us by. I believe we'll be held to a higher standard than other generations. We'll be held to a higher standard because what we know. There is... Before we close today, I want you to go back to verse 2. 
in verse 2 it says, Many of those bodies that lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. There is a resurrection promised. This is the general resurrection, including all believers, Old Testament, New Testament, the great tribulation martyrs. You might hear them referred to as tribulation saints. If you're alive at the time of the rapture, the dead Christians who died before that time will be resurrected in their new bodies, be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. The second resurrection is those who rejected Jesus Christ, taking place a thousand years later after the millennial period, which tells us some good news and some bad news when we think of opening the scriptures. The good news is, is there's a heaven, a heaven promised to those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. The bad news is, is there's a hell. As real as heaven is, hell, Gehenna, the lake of fire, is a real place. A careful study of the teachings of Jesus will reveal to you, he taught on two subjects more than any other, two subjects that are not popular with Christians today in the United States, around the world. You know what they are? Money and hell. Jesus taught a lot about hell. As the creator of the universe, he knew that hell wasn't created for you and me. It was created for the angels and the fallen angels. It's not God's heart that any should perish. And so Jesus warned, and he warned, and he warned. And I fear that some listening to me today are on the road to hell as I speak. Oh, Ed, you're not one of those fire and brimstone. Not at all. I take the same approach with the truth of scriptures of hell as I do with prophecy. I want to warn you and I want to plead with you. Hell is a real place. And I fear that some listening to me, connected with us, are on the road to hell. And even more so, some are on the road to hell and don't care. They bought into a false philosophy, a false religion, that if I've just come to a conclusion that I'm a good person, then God's just going to let every good person in. If there is a God, then he'll let anyone in. Well, what kind of God is that? You don't even let any, everyone into your house. How do you think a God would let everyone into heaven? You lock your door at night. So God's well, not God. He just lets everybody in, however you were. No. No, there's a right and there's a wrong. There is righteousness and there is unrighteousness. There is sin that's forgiven and there is sin that's not forgiven. The gospel is going forth constantly pleading with you, repent, admit. You don't really even need a pastor to plead with you because you have that sense of conviction that as good as you are, you know you haven't arrived. You have that conviction as you begin to measure your life that you're not a perfect person. They even make bumper stickers. Oh, I'm not perfect. Like that's an okay thing to say. Well, if you admit that you're not perfect, then you also have to admit that God requires, according to his word, perfection. So if you're not perfect and God requires perfection, where does that leave you? Well, I'll tell you where it leaves you. It leaves you at the mercy of God. And should he have abandoned you, you'd have no hope. But God hasn't abandoned you. And there is hope for you today. A hope of heaven. When you receive the good news that your sins can be forgiven by repentance, 
that you would turn your life away and admit, like, hey, I, I recognize, I recognize I need God and I want to be forgiven. He will hear you and he will bring a hope into your life and you can live with confidence in these last days. And as we tie in on our time next time, listen, the hope of heaven and hell, verse three, those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. You have been put on the planet earth, every single one of you, to share the good news of the gospel. It is not something the pastor does. It's not something that people, that, it's not something that only the people that are good at it, only the people that know, yeah, I know that guy, he's really a great evangelist. You and I have been put on the planet to be the salt and the light, to be the messengers. If you don't share the gospel with your boss, who will? I'm never going to meet him. Most likely. Do you realize, as, as much as I love being, being saved, I mean being used of God, you impact people that will never darken the doors of this church ever. I'll never meet them. Maybe they might, maybe through radio or something, but I'll never meet them. You're with them every single day. Do you think, don't you think that's a God thing that he puts you where you're at? <laughs> don't you think it's a devil thing to make you upset? of where you work and upset with your boss and not mad at all their life and just all upset because things aren't going your way and all the while your boss, as lost as they are, misses out on the love of God through your life. Look, you've been, you've been put on the planet for this, folks. This is, why, this is why this church was birthed 20 years ago. This is it. You know the, the vision of our church is when disciple and send. It's all encompassing. It's one life. We've been one to the Lord. We've been built up every time in a Bible study. Everyone listening to me right now is accountable for what you heard. And so now just go do it. Ah, but Ed, I'm so mad right now. I know. And you're not walking in wisdom. Yeah, you know, I'm just in the middle of a fight right now and I just don't like this and I hate this. I know. And you're not walking in wisdom. Oh, you can't tell me that. And now your pride comes. And the Lord's just saying, no, I want a relationship with you. I want to enjoy, I want you to enjoy me. I, I want you, yeah, but what if they, what if I get fired? Then, then you find out really quick, God didn't want you there. And I bet the job you have right now, you were looking for that job when you found it. Because you were looking, I remember I just talked to Larry. He and I worked many years ago and I was sharing the gospel with him constantly. We shared an office in California and I just, the Lord laid him on my heart, found out he had most, so pray for Larry. He had multiple heart attacks and like the brothers, we had a great conversation, but he's the one that gave me this phrase. And I tell him, Larry, I give you credit every time because he's always talking about, you know, I don't like it here. And, you know, and then I'm like, Larry, like, what are you going to do? Like, what kind of job? He goes, I was looking for a job when I found this one. All right, brother, good. And the Lord wants to put you in the right place in the right time. And he wants to use you and he wants to use your mouth specifically to tell people about a God in heaven that loves them and a devil in hell that hates them, if you want to use it that. I mean, devil's not technically in hell right now, but he will be for all eternity. And as you share, you don't know what to say, you don't know how to say it, but the Holy Spirit shows up and he gives you the words that you needed. As you're listening to you sharing, you're like, man, where did that come from? The Holy Spirit lives in you. You're not alone. It's not one of those things where you have to try it. You just have to do it. And the Lord will be with you. And so, Father, as we are in these last days, 
and we have before us the end of the age. And then the exhortation, as we'll see in a little more depth, to share the gospel, to share the love of Jesus, to invite people to church, to invite people to a watch party at our house, or to bring food to our neighbor, or call a cancer patient, or tell our boss, thank you for all the hard work that they do. Whatever it might be, Lord, that you would use us in these last days. We see it. Daniel didn't see it. Even Daniel didn't see what he was writing down. But now we in this generation now see and understand so much more of what Daniel wrote down. Now to whom much is given, let us respond. Not with some heavy burden or much is required, but no, Lord, we give. We've been loved greatly and given much, so then because of that, we love much and give much. Use us in these last days in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.